I pulled up behind a Cadillac. We were waiting for the light. And I took a look at his license plate and it said, Just Ice. Is justice just ice, governed by greed and lust, just the strong doing what they can, and the weak suffering what they must. Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I'm not going to sing that. Those lyrics were written by Miss Joni Mitchell. Yes, Joni is in the news, along with her her uh, fellow Canadian, Mr. Neil Young. You know, Joni's songs paint these really interesting images and here we talk about film and we talk about music and how it merges together and and she started out in visual arts a lot of people don't know that except when she talks about it in interviews I wait for her interviews I love her interviews because she's not just dependent on if the interviewer is being respectful of her she is dropping some knowledge she's trying to say to them look I didn't start out as a singer. I started out as a painter and that she would apply painter's principles to making music. That's really what she was doing. Most of her album covers, she paints. I I am sometimes tongue tied just by her genius. There are very few people, especially in music that you could call a genius. And she's a genius. So, I remember hearing that song when I was in high school, and just those lyrics, I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. She's talking about all kinds of stuff. She's talking about doctor's pills give you brand new ills, and the bills bury you like an avalanche. The lawyers haven't been this popular since Rufus Pierre slaughtered half of France. She's going through this... um, She's talking about sex. She's talking about violence. Yeah. She, and she's, she's talking about France, too. It, it's an interesting way that she talks. I mean, we all know the story about Big Yellow Taxi. Big Yellow Taxi. She was in Hawaii. She looked out her window And that's how she came up with the song where she said they paid paradise and they put up a parking lot with a pink hotel and a boutique and a swinging hot spot. I always think whenever I'm, you know, farms, because farmers, hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me the spots on my apples and leave me the birds and bees. (laughs) This is 1970. And she's talking about that. Stevie Wonder once said, you know, people don't want to hear you talking about social issues, but they had to. He was singing about higher ground and she's singing about nature and she's singing about pollution. Joni Mitchell has often said that is really her, her, the one thing that pisses her off is what man has done to nature to throw everything out of whack that that's her one her one thing in life that angers her and upsets her she has said is is how we're polluting the earth <laughs> and she has a really good point she has a really good valid point and a lot of her music 
isn't just about her life. It's about what she's as as a person. She lives on this planet too. And she has a voice. I I I mean when it comes to the songs, you know, that one song that I opened with that's from Turbulent Indigo. So in the 90s, the late 90s, she puts out this album with her soon-to-be ex-husband, Larry Klein, who produced Turbulent Indigo with her. And it's interesting. She wins a Grammy for it. And I love that speech. She's like, oh, Klein, uh, considering we made this album in a state of divorce... And how she's talking about they got some cats to take the tension off the engineer. (laughs) She makes me laugh. She makes me laugh. Whenever she, like I said, she's always dropping knowledge when she's either being interviewed or she's giving a speech. I remember one time someone talked about something that she said about Bob Dylan. And she said, oh, no, I never said that. That's journalistic bullshit. And, and there was talking about, you know, the originality of being an artist and how she's original. And, and I believe her. She, she didn't copy anybody because she wasn't going to be a singer songwriter. She was going to be a painter. And she talks about I remember she gave this interview and she talked about, you know, both her and Neil Young had polio. And I can see why, why they did what they did. And I and I salute them for that. I, I I hope more follow. But the fact that those two know what it's like to have a very deadly disease. To this day, Neil Young has problems walking. To this day, Joni Mitchell even has said that the polio affected her voice as she gets older. So they're they're all for getting vaccinated. But they, they also stand by what they believe in. And but back to Joni talks about the first, first time she ever sang, she was away, I think, being treated for polio. And she started to sing and a boy told her to shut up because she was singing to him because he was crying. So she said that was her first heckler. <laughs> I love that. But to hear her talk about music, you know, blue and uh, River. Oh my God. River. River is such a, you know, it's coming on Christmas and yeah. Brandy Carlisle does a really great version of River. And then in 2007, um, Joni's good friend, Herbie Hancock, put out an album called The Joni Letters, River. And it won a Grammy. It beat out Amy Winehouse. Everyone was on it from Tina Turner to Joni Mitchell to Nora Jones. I believe Diana Krall was also on it. But yeah, you know, I've always her lyrics have always fascinated me. You I said this the other day. You can it's not you can put she belongs there. Yes, Bob Dylan and Neil Young are are basically bookends and so is Joni Mitchell 
there there are many also hip hop artists who I would put in that pantheon, including Nas, including Lauren Hill, and Eric B and Rakim. Here here is an interview that Joni gave for uh, the CBC. I I love I just love her talking about it. Most of it, your artwork, and there's self-portraits around as well. There's some self-portraits around. That's British Columbia. That's where I'm building my house in British Columbia. That's my property. That's my property in British Columbia, and that one too. I only paint things that mean something. That's Saskatchewan at 40 below. Uh, this is Ochuna, Nigerian water goddess. You know, I'm a water junkie. Does all of your creativity, whether it be painting, writing songs, poetry come from the same well in other words is it the same same place in Joni Mitchell that where the visual art comes from or the music yeah I, I do believe there are different languages you know and some things don't translate as well from one language to another if painting and music are two are the two languages how do you know um, what, what does music represent in terms of language to you and what does painting well, well I'm a painter first and I kind of apply painting principles to music. Oh, let's pull away because I I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> That's always the thing is the other day I played the succession theme and I had to name the copyright. But when it's Joni Mitchell, I I don't want I really don't want to get in trouble. Uh those those songs are so magical and iconic and let me see I, w- I want to get to where she let's see okay this is the long part <laughs> I there's a, a moment I wanted to find where she talks about when you're writing lyrics. Here we go. Oh, woe be to the imitators. Like, if you're going to pile up those many words, Paul Simon tried it, and I went, yikes, and I stopped doing it. You know, like, I go, oh, oh, you know, this should not be a school. This is just painter's principles that I'm trying to apply. Don't take that direction. I'm not sure I succeeded with it. It's kind of sounds goofy when when I hear it. But where's the li- where's the line between learning lessons from our predecessors, our musical heroes, and being a copycat? Well, tradition is a copycat, and most people love tradition. I'm not saying, you know, like that's what sells. So, so please, you know, what I need, I'm not proselytizing what I need. Mm. I need because of my birthday to discover. Not everybody has that birthday or that need, you know, and most people are perfectly content. And 99.9% of the musicians sat in their room, picked a hero, and emulated it and tried to cop that sound or that this or that that, you know. That's not my approach. I approached it like a painter with a painter's need to be an original. And that's not a normal need in music, nor am I saying be like me. I'm not, you know. It, it means you end up, I'm a mutt, you know, I belong to nothing. There's a, there's a great liberty in that, and I'm a freedom freak. But there are times when you wish, you know, when you have no one on your side. But when you, you don't talk about someone like, uh, like in 2010 about Dylan, when you have Bob Dylan, you say he's not authentic at all, he's a plagiarist, his name. And oh, wait, wait, I didn't say that. I didn't say no. that he's not authentic at all. 
that is not a word I use. No, that's that was from journal- the LA Times. Yes, okay, that's that's journalistic bullshit, you know. And you know, he told me I haven't written a song in years. I said, Well, what are you talking about? You know, who's writing them then? He said, The box. He just jots down. He came down to craft. You know, inspiration doesn't stay with a lot of artists very long. It's very brief, and then you're in the game, and you got to keep it sustaining it with something, mm. right? You know, you, you notice it like One Trick Wonders, you know, two good albums, and then they peter out. You know, to sustain a gift for a long time is very rare. Does that make you disappointed in him? Or in Dylan? Yeah. No, and that that remark is completely out of context. The interviewer was an. You know, I went into that thing about the, the actor, the thing that we've been through here, yeah, and he yeah. accused me of being unauthentic. Now that's just ignorance. So I'm talking to a guy. How do I explain to this moron whose IQ is somewhere between his shoe size and his knees, and he's misconstruing everything I say? I'm doing this for for John Kelly, who's impersonating me. I hate doing interviews with stupid people. This guy's a moron, you know. And I said, and then I got philosophical. Philosophical? I said, yes, yeah, philosophical. You know. I said, you do know what what philosophy is, don't you know? So everything I said, he's calling into question. I I can't talk to adult like that without getting aggravated. They call us exploding morgies. Our nerves are all wrapped around by fibrous things and everything. You know, our nerves are worn thin. You know, we do not want to talk to stupid people. You you know, anyone with this disease. How am I doing? We're doing fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do get intense though sometimes. Uh, uh- but that's the problem. On the, on let's the, get, let me, off, the let's get off the Dylan. Let's get off the Dylan. I will ask him, as a, he is of your gen, of the, like there's a generation there, and you talked about Leonard and Bob. I like him. a lot of Bob's songs. Musically, he's not very gifted. You know, he's borrowed his voice from old hillbillies. He's got a lot of borrowed things. He's not a great guitar player. You know, he's, 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 he's invented a character to deliver his songs. Sometimes I wish that I could have that character. You know, because, you know, you, you can do things with that character. You know, uh, it's a man. <laughs> See what I mean? Oh, my goodness. Where where do we go with that? And, yeah, you're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, he opens with thongs, and I'm not going to sing them. I would need a really good microphone, and, and I do have stage fright. Um, here, here are just some of her songs. River... Big Yellow Taxi, The Last Time I Saw Richard, A Case of You, The Circle Game, Free Man in Paris, Help Me, Chelsea Morning, Woodstock. You know, with Woodstock, she wasn't even there. She was supposed to go. So she watched the TV and then she talked to the people who were there and boom, she writes the song Woodstock, Blue, of course. Blue is such a. I've, I'm, I think blue is. I could be wrong, and I don't always have to be right. That blue is really about Graham Nash because you know she had a very intense relationship. We're not going to really get into that because that doesn't interest me. With Graham Nash, because there's a documentary that she did. And you can hear him saying that Blue was her way of saying goodbye to him. So, and and, it's, and she said that these songs are a meditation, you know? And then Both Sides Now. Both Sides Now, what's interesting to me, everyone knows, you know, that was a hit for, for uh, 
Uh, oh goodness. <laughs> oh God, I just her name. I I just forgot. And and she's an iconic singer, Judy Collins. That was a hit for. That was not my generation. I wasn't even a thought. But both sides now was a hit for Judy Collins. And and Joni sang it. It wasn't until 2000 that Joni took two of her songs, A Case of You and Both Sides Now, and layered them with this orchestra. And Both Sides Now, it it was it's a be- I I remember the first time I heard that. I had heard the original Both Sides Now. And I think I was at maybe Barnes and Noble or a bookstore and you could listen to the albums and I was listening to both sides now and there was this the string arrangement this orchestra and it gave the song a whole new meaning and the way she sang it you know in the early days she sang it with her her voice and here she was older and it was as if the song really fit you know, some songs, you write them and it takes... It, it, an example of that is... Uh, I, I've i often, you know, I'll, I'll go back and I'll hear like um, Fleetwood Mac, Dreams, Okay. It's good. It's a good song. Now, if you listen to Stevie Nicks do Dreams now, there's a different quality to her voice. When she did Dreams in the 70s, <laughs> uh, I, I love that parody Lucy Lawless did of Stevie Nicks where she's like, in the 70s, I dedicated myself to witchcraft, Lindsay Buckingham, and cocaine. Oh, yeah. All of Fleetwood Mac, but that's not Joni. But they're contemporaries, Joni and Stevie. But there's a point to this. Stevie's voice in the early 70s, it was it was it was thin. And then as Stevie got older, her voice, ooh. Like I said, if you if you if you ever get a chance to see the dance, Fleetwood Mac, and Stevie Nicks is I don't know how old at this point, and her voice had thickened. And she was singing about... And Lena Horne said that one. She says, you know... You sing those songs... And then... Or an example is that she did Stormy Weather. You know, Lena Horne famously did Stormy Weather. And then she says, it's taken me 40 some odd years to grow comfortable to this song. So if it's taking you 40 years to grow comfortable... The song is going to have a whole new meaning. A whole new evocative persona. And so with Joni Mitchell doing both sides now, 30 years later, and adding the layers and adding the orchestra, um, it, it's an intense thing. So I can understand why she did that. Because when you write something or you sing something the first time, okay, it sometimes it takes years for that to soak in. I mean, you look at all these classic movies like It's a Wonderful Life, The Wizard of Oz. It took decades for them to reach that pantheon that they reached. They weren't, that was not considered uh, 
you know, or uh, an example of that is, and I love the film because I love Robert Mitchum, is uh, um, Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter was a failure. And it was directed by Charles Lawton. That was the only film he ever directed. After that, he never directed another film, and it's too bad. And Night of the Hunter, you've got Shelley Winters, you've got Lillian Gish, and you've got this this was Robert Mitchum's best performance. Today he would have won an Oscar for it. But back then, it was the 50s and the 1950s. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But from what I've studied, the 1950s, nobody was about experimentation. Nobody. It was, you know, Eisenhower. It was crop haircuts. It was white picket fence. Nobody was experimenting. So to have this British filmmaker do this very southern gothic film noir film, very dark. And that's the and if we see and there's a point to this, we go back to Joni doing both sides now. And she talked about when she did both sides now in the sixties, people were like, What do you know about life? So because you know, she says in the song, I really don't know life at all. And so it took decades for that song, I think, to really, to stick, to stick. Yeah. So. Oh, I, I almost got, <laughs> this is my podcast. I can say and do what I want. But like I said, I give respect. I'm not going to disrespect my audience. I'm not going to disrespect those artists. I could disrespect them and just say, oh, fuck it. I'm going to play the song and disrespect them. And then they're going to come after me. Understandably so. Come after me for using that song and not giving it a copyright. Does that then it's like when you write a paper and you don't do your work cited and you try to pass that off as, oh, but I got this information. No, no, that's bullshit. You have to cite it. So the same thing is if I'm going to play a song, I have to say, okay, this was copyright 19. This, this is who it belongs to. So, yeah, I'm not going to diss the artists. Unlike some people, I'm not going to diss the audience. You know, I was taught early on uh, in a speech class. You do not diss your audience. You give your audience respect. But at the same time, you know your audience as long as the people in the front or the back have you you're good if you do like a controversial speech and if the the first or the third half of them have if they if they're with you you're good if everyone else is sitting in the back with their arms folded i say fuck them and fuck them twice so and i and i've had that where i gave a speech one time and it was an it was a group speech and the people in the front were laughing the professor was laughing and the people in the back had their arms folded and i just thought fuck them fuck them that's i didn't say that but i that's what i thought you you can't please them all <sighs> and and maybe that's spotify's dilemma <laughs> you can't please them all i'm on spotify but I am in solidarity with Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and, and whomever else wants to do it. Whoever else wants to do it. 
Yes, there is freedom of speech. But when it comes to something like a virus, that's dangerous. And that goes all the way back to in the 80s when they were talking about AIDS. That's why I will forever hate Ronald Reagan. Because what he did, AIDS, Reaganomics, and crack. That's on Reagan. And you can say what you want about him. Oh, but he did this. No, no. He was an enemy to black people and he was an enemy to the LGBTQ because he let AIDS, he just wouldn't say anything about it. And he was a Hollywood man. He was an actor. Okay? And so here's someone, his good friend Rock Hudson, dies of AIDS, says nothing about it until later. Doesn't do a damn thing. And that's dangerous. And then the misinformation about AIDS. There's also a misinformation about COVID. That what's his face? I'm not going to say him on the show. It's like when I used to talk about, you know, what's his face? And I would, and I stopped talking. I used to give him a cup of shut the fuck up. And I stopped doing that on the show because then I thought, if I do that, then he's on the show. So I'm not going to mention his name. Because it's not worth it's not worth giving him that, that platform. Yet all of you give him that platform. He's had musicians. He's had. I usually would watch when he would have musicians on. Now I do not watch it all. I try not to let it bother me. He wants to rile people up. That's fine. He's nothing to look at. He's nothing pretty. He's not an oil painting. So, um, but yeah, I stand in solidarity with solidarity with Jody Mitchell and Neil Young. Isn't that beautiful that it takes these two icons of the '60s to look at this this modern day drama and just say, "Fuck you, we're pulling back." Yes, we're going to lose money, but it's not about the money. What it's about is your integrity and standing up for something. Not giving misinformation, which is very dangerous. The one thing I could say about the the elephant in the room is he's, he's along the lines of Goebbels. He is Goebbels. That's a controversial thing to say, and I'll take it. He is Goebbels, because Joseph Goebbels, hello, same first name, isn't that funny? Spread, he he was the propaganda master right there. Very disgusting, very dangerous. So he is along the lines of that. He, he who. (sighs) And so that's why I wanted to just talk about Joni Mitchell. I think I talked about Neil Young the other night. I want to give a shout out to the LNC who are Canadians. They're very friendly to me. And I said, isn't, isn't that something? Is that those two Canadian icons, Johnny Mitchell and Neil Young, and, and strangely are both forever connected because they both had polio and the polio epidemic. Those of us, my generation and the generation before, were not around during pol- polio. 
So you have these two people who who themselves had polio and witnessed it. And the after effects, had they not had that vaccine, they would both be gone. So watch what you say, people. And what or, or no, what yeah, fuck that. Watch what you say. Watch who you who you basically hold on a platform. Because said person is not a doctor. I've told you before, I am a podcaster. I am not a doctor. I'm not going to give you medical advice. That is dangerous. That's like taking medical advice from your bartender. Unless he is studying or she studying and they are a resident or, or a nurse and they practice medicine. Okay. But... Don't trust a podcaster for your health your health updates. Just don't. That is stupid. It's just royally stupid. And that's why I wanted to talk about Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell's lyrics, I mean, come on. I've said it before. They paved up paradise, they put up a parking lot. So that's observational. She, and she's not being funny. She's being truthful. She's like, on and on it seems to go. But you don't know what it got. And, and it just keeps going. The pay paradise. Put up a pocket. Ooh, ba, ba, ba. Yeah. So, and and then, I mean, and, uh, you know, I like help me. And I like, and, but for me, I remember being a teenager and hearing sex kills and thinking, whoa. She, you know, it was similar to me. She's not, you know, she's not a rapper. I, I'm sure she's aware of hip hop. I'm sure she likes some hip hop, but it kind of reminded me of a freeform rapper as she's as she's spitting those lyrics. You know, I pulled up behind a Cadillac. I was waiting for the light. I took a look at his license plate. It said "Just Ice." Is justice just ice? You know, um, governed by greed and lust. The strong doing what they can. And I would listen to that over and over. And then, and then at the same time, the Sonics sonic structure of the song sex kills it's it's intense she she even wrote a song about domestic violence um on the turbulent indigo album what what a title what a title in the middle of the 90s the late 90s you're gonna put out this album in 94 called turbulent indigo that's really a way to describe the 90s turbulent indigo because you're always picking a color to describe a feeling a mood you know picasso would do it with off colors and browns and yellows and and uh van gogh would do it with kind of faint bright colors and and see she's a painter so she would understand this and van and then um uh, what's the other painter's name oh and then like Frida Kahlo Frida Kahlo's paintings are very they're colorful but they're very violent at the same time and Goya so I can understand why she called that album Turbulent Indigo it was the 1990s very turbulent decade in the color of indigo okay 
it was the 90s you had david koresh and you had you know all that other crazy stuff and uh you had floods and political strife and (sighs) the oval office shenanigans so yeah really Joni's songs are are a soundtrack to the decade that we're uh, living in you know the last album she put out in 2007 called Shine she has a really great song in there called the title song Shine and she's talking about nature and she's talking about the fishermen who don't have enough in their bucket in their nets so she really puts her pen to the metal she in terms of she really she practices what she preaches in terms of talking about our environment and talking about what we're doing to it you know i've always this funny theory that people just you know people want to go to mars because they figure they've trashed this planet let's go to another one and trash it because human beings you know hey to quote Joni mitchell they don't know what it, they don't know what they've got till it's gone so they pave paradise and they put up a parking lot yeah and you think of all these buildings these iconic places and what happens they pave it down and put up a parking lot so she knew what she was writing about <laughs> yeah um i wanted to do a side note uh i i've been talking about succession throughout the week and if you if you go on youtube there's a really great clip of brian cox from succession on Ari Melber's beat, the MSNBC show, uh, talking about just his book and um, what he believes in. So yeah, I, I wonder. I you know I I, I wrote him kind of like a fan um, message online. I said you know Miss uh, actually you know what I'm gonna read it. I I don't know who's in control of his socials, but I I wrote it anyway. I figured you know it's not like I'm bothering him. This is what I wrote to him. Mr. Cox, I wanted to let you know that I love the series Succession. You make me laugh and think your performance is and your performance is King Lear for a modern day twist. Thank you for giving us all laughs, says Logan Roy. Because really at the end of it, this is some serious stuff, but it's funny. When he tells his son, and and every time I watch it, I laugh. He says, Look, he says, Roman, you're a moron. <laughs> you know, no one else can tell Roman he's a moron, but his own father can say, Roman, you're a moron. And then they play that game, bore on the floor. Yeah, I'm, I'm veering off topic here. And so, um, but yeah, thank you, Joni Mitchell. Oh, Joni's going to be 80 um, next year. What a long life. And, you know, she recently received the Kennedy Center honor. She's had a tough road. Think of it. She's, she, had, she talked about this in an interview. She had, like, killer diseases one right after the other. Scarlet fever, polio. And then in 2015, she has a aneurysm. And it's taken her years to come back from that. And, um, you know, I hope she performs again one day. I really do. She is... And a treasure, a, a world treasure, because you know she's Canadian, but 
All over the world, people listen to her music. And so I, I love the, what her and Neil Young are doing is going to reverberate, reverberate all over the world. People, I mean, that's the big news now is, that, oh, Neil Young and Johnny Mitchell. My theory, who's going to follow next? We're living in very interesting times on Pleasant Dreams. <laughs>